Today on the Vergecast, the crew reacts to all the news from Meta this week. We'll break down our reviews of the Pixel hardware and somehow Microsoft makes its way into literally everything this week. That's coming up right after this. Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. What does the future look like? By melting business acumen and innovative technology, Deloitte can help you build the future only you can imagine. They can help engineer solutions for your business reality today and your vision for tomorrow to get you to a world where you don't just dream it, you build it. See how you can engineer advantage with Deloitte at Deloitte.com slash US slash engineering advantage. Your body is unique. So why would you settle for a weight loss plan that's one size fits all? Noom is the weight management program that takes into account your biology to build a custom plan just for you. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Cast, the flagship podcast of the studio kind of smelling like weed. <laughs> <laughs> are you, what are you guys doing in there? We weren't doing anything. Uh, what I said to David as we walked in was, I bet that Kara Swisher was in here with her new Vox Media Podcast Network show <laughs> on with Kara Swisher, presented by New York Magazine. Listen, when you leave the New York Times, you get to just go crazy. That's, that's what happens. Y'all want me to plug the show? I'm going to mention that it smells like weed. <laughs> Go subscribe to On with Kara Swisher, wherever podcasts are served. Get her, get that five-star review. Don't mention the weed thing to anyone that I report to. Yes, dear listener, there's no evidence to back up Eli's claim. <laughs> Thanks, Liam. <laughs> opinions expressed on the Vergecast are not the ex- opinions of Vox Media or Liam. We haven't even finished the intro. We've already done the disclaimer. That's <laughs> yeah, no, great. It's great. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm your friend, Eli. David Pierce is here. Hi. I'm sitting right next to you. Yeah, we're, this is we're, very exciting. We're together in New York City, which hasn't happened in quite some time. No, and it smells like weed. I don't <laughs> know if we've talked about that yet. <laughs> I think that might just be New York City. It's very possible. <laughs> There's a real chance it's just the city wafting <laughs> into the office. Alex Cran's also in New York City, but but at her home. I am at my home smoking weed just furiously in <laughs> the middle go. of this podcast. It's so I can feel like I'm thing. there in the office yeah. with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. That's good. She's got her Plex server. She's, do you use the Plex server to heat the weed? Or are you like a, is that a multi, multi-functional vape situation? Yeah. You know, it gets hot enough. Is it possible that like firing up the Plex server is like a euphemism for Alex smoking weed? And every time she talks about the Plex server, that's actually what's happening. Yeah. It's actually a bomb. It's great. That's good. No, that's, you gotta, you gotta heat it. So you heat the crystals. It's, exactly. It vaporizes the weed. It doesn't burn it. Plex, the streamer of the future. All right. There's been a, quite a lot going on this week in tech news, in addition to whatever happened in the studio earlier today, <laughs> which was very chill. Yeah, it's been a big week for everybody. It's been a big week for everybody. Yeah, everybody's having a great time. On with Kara Swisher, now part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. MetaConnect was this week. We y- Y'all did a whole episode about MetaConnect. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should talk about it just a little bit. There's some, The VR people have legs now. The new Quest Pro is out. Uh, we Google reviews hit, so the Pixel Watch review, Pixel 7, Pixel 7 Pro, 
And then Microsoft just announced everything that it had. It just yeah. was like, does anybody at Microsoft have something to announce? Today's the day. <laughs> and they did it. Like all at once. Uh, so you got new Surface Studio 2 Plus, Surface Pro 9. It's 10 years of Surface, by the way. Crucial Microsoft Teams news. Crucial Teams mm. news. They rebranded Office to Microsoft 365, <sighs> which something. But uh, Tom sat down with Panos Panay, talked about 10 years of Surface, Surface Laptop yep. 5. I mean, just everything you can think of. Sasha just walked around Redmond saying, does anybody have anything to announce? And then Microsoft Teams came out and they said, we have Microsoft Teams to announce. Somebody walked behind him and took notes. Yeah. That, that second step is very important. Sacha walks around and says, what do you have to announce? And then they tell him. And he says, how does Teams figure into this? <laughs> exactly. And then they tell him and then they get to announce it. Microsoft announced so much stuff. They announced stuff at Facebook's event. <laughs> yeah. It just spilled over. <laughs> They're like, this is our event too. <laughs> so let's let's quickly start with Meta Connect. Uh, we, y- y'all did a whole episode on it already, so we don't have to overdo it, but... Quest Pro 2 kind of looks incredible. It also kind of looks like an expensive boondoggle. I, I can't tell. Yeah. I think both of those things are true at the same time, right? Like it is, by all accounts, very impressive. The facial expression tracking seems to be pretty good. The pass-through video seems to be pretty good. The overwhelming question is like, what is this for and who's going to buy it? And there were a bunch of people on Twitter who were like, how dare you not love the future? I can't wait to spend $1,500 on the Quest Pro. Uh, and then it's like, what are you going to do with it? And they're like, well, I'm going to have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how I, I almost pre-ordered one. <laughs> I came so close to pre-ordering one yesterday. Just to have So you it. could just play like Supernatural and, and Beat Saber, but in so slightly we, higher resolution. <laughs> but so, so there's good. that. <laughs> so we we use our Quest 2 like almost every day to do Supernatural. It's great. Love it. Yeah. Almost nothing else happens in this VR headset. <laughs> so that, whatever. But then, you know, you look at the whiteboardy thing that they did. So that controllers are really cool. They have the controllers now have their own sensors. So the controllers yeah. have their own sense of where they are in a room. They do their own inside-out tracking, and they have all these haptics. So Addy and Alex Heath, who both got to use the thing, were like, it actually feels like you're pushing the controller against something when you write. And yeah. the bottoms, you can screw in little stylus tips. You got to love this. <laughs> Virtual e-ink drawing tablets. Come on. It, uh, yeah, I mean, it brings me a lot of joy. Like, I, I, think, I think the Quest Pro is... Very, very cool. But I was thinking about this earlier this week. You know, we're coming up on the, what was it, the 30th anniversary of the Lisa? No, 40th. Yeah. It's old. The Apple Lisa, which, like the Quest Pro, was super, super cool and did a lot of really cool stuff that hadn't really been done before. And like the Quest Pro, was super, super expensive. And unlike the Quest Pro, ended up being buried in, like, a landfill somewhere in Utah. Yeah. But I think, like, I just keep thinking about that and, like, how how expensive this thing is and how cutting edge it is and how it's probably a little too cutting edge. It's probably not quite ready. Like, the audience doesn't quite exist But But, but the Lisa was supposed to be, like, a real product for Apple, right? This was, like, Steve Jobs' thing before the yeah. Mac and then back and forth. And then he cruelly abandoned the Lisa. It took so long to on do it the Mac. that he had to, like, get kicked off to do the Mac. They were like, stop, stop messing with the Lisa. You suck at it. Yeah. Go do the Mac. And he just took all the best ideas and was like, here's the Mac. Yeah, they made it a smaller, the cheaper one. Notably, the Mac also yeah. came from Apple. So, like, the yes. Lisa is a disaster, but it's a disaster. It's sort of like almost sank Apple because they were betting too much on it, but then they refactored everything into the cheaper Mac and they, they did it, right? Yeah. Zuck is not positioning the Quest Pro as the future of Meta. He's like, I've taken yet another small step to my dream of permanently surveilling you in virtual reality. <laughs> 
<laughs> and here's the most advanced headset. And he has given a version of the speech now several times. He gave it to Joe Rogan. He gave it to Alex Heath. He's, I've heard him say this thing. He's coming at it from two directions. So yeah. one, they are coming at sort of AR or mixed reality from we're going to pack all the technology into the biggest headset we can design and build, but it'll have all the tech in it. Yeah. And that's the Quest Pro. And then we're going to make glasses that can actually fit your head and shove as much into that form factor. And over time, those things will converge. So he's basically got like yeah. Ray-Bans with a camera over here. And he's got the Quest Pro over here that can actually do mixed reality. And his mm -hmm. plan is they'll meet in the middle. I don't know why he thinks that's the right approach. Like, <laughs> you should just sit, you know, like. So I kind of think it is. I mean, yeah. the the reality is if you're if you're doing it from one side, you're also doing the other side. You just don't ship it, right? You just, that's the stuff that like lives in the labs that you make for a long time. And it's a, it's a big prototype. And then you make it a smaller prototype. And then eventually you can ship it inside of the thing. But the other thing Meta is trying to do is make all of the rest of this stuff happen. So like they need stuff to be out there for developers yeah. to play with. They need people to be like dreaming up cool new apps. They need all of this stuff to happen all at once. So if they're to sit there inside until they can fit all of this tech into Ray-Ban glasses, they're going to be way too early because they won't have given anybody anything to do or anything yeah. to work with. So I kind of feel like... But why ship the Ray-Ban glasses? That I think is a more fair question. Um, but I, I, that's I would, what I mean. It's like I think the Ray-Ban glasses make sense though, because that was part of their attempt to normalize cameras on your face, the surveillance. Yeah, like right, like, like that's the entire point of it. Is like let's normalize cameras on your face because if we want AR to work in the future, people have to be comfortable being constantly surveilled by everyone around them at all times. Yeah. And like, I, I mean, I do kind of think that the, that idea of everything meet in the middle makes sense. But also, why do I want to spend $1,500 to be a beta tester? If I'm a developer who's who's really excited about the future of VR, the Quest Pro makes sense. Are there enough of those developers to make the Quest Pro a success? No. And that's why you sign up Microsoft yep. to throw the HoloLens <laughs> out the window and put Microsoft Teams on the Quest Pro, and then you sign up Accenture. Yeah. And you have the CEO of Accenture in hologram at your event being like, we're <laughs> going to do corporate training in the metaverse using Quest. Like, they are making a full-on enterprise play yeah. with this product. But not which, because fine. this is the thing that has driven me the most crazy about all of these announcements is everybody has come out and said, you know, Microsoft and Meta believe VR is the future of work. Like, no, they don't. They absolutely do not <laughs> think that. Sachin Nadella even said to Ben Thompson that like, this might be a thing that you own, but this is not going to be like your primary device. You'll also have yeah. a laptop. You'll also have a phone. What this is, is like a pretty naked attempt to make a thing that someone will pay for, right? Like yeah. Google made glass and it failed. And so Google went, mm. Google Glass Enterprise. <laughs> and then they sold it to some people. And that's just like, that's a that's a thing you do when you can't get consumers to buy your device. You come up with this really narrow work thing and try to sell it that way. And it turns out that companies love to burn money on fancy, cool new technology that gets them in press releases from companies like yeah. Meta and Microsoft. And so it, this, is, this is like a, a stepping stone to get from here to there. And I think anyone who is like, everybody thinks the, the first killer app for VR is work, no, <laughs> it just isn't. And none of the companies building this think that. They just think this is a way for them to make some money while they continue to build deeply imperfect products into ones that actually work for people. So I, I will say that expensive technology happens in corporate America first is a real pattern. Yeah. PCs happen in corporate America. Macs, actually, the first they were right. so expensive. They were four or $5,000 a piece. Graphic design shops are the thing that like blew the Mac up with desktop publishing. This is like ancient history now. 
but yeah. it was an enterprise product. It yeah, was there's nothing wrong design. with that. It works. Um, my mom. Had I mean, a, even the BlackBerry. Yeah, the yeah. BlackBerry. I was saying my mom had a one of those giant Motorola bag phones that her hospital <laughs> gave yeah. her. Yeah, um, those were the best. So, like, there's yeah, somewhere on the adoption curve, there's the business has a business need and it can solve it using this tool. It's just really unclear what beaming a Windows desktop into the metaverse <laughs> does for you at work, which is more or less what they have promised. And then there's this, you know, they 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 did the more realistic avatars, which aren't yet coming to teams. Like there's like all these bits and bobs that aren't yet connected. But you can see Microsoft was like, screw it. We don't want to pay for the HoloLens. Also, we fired that guy. <laughs> right? They, Alex Kipman. Uh, Alex yeah. Kipman is gone from Microsoft after a series of pretty devastating reports about his behavior. And they had this like, it just didn't work. It just didn't happen for them. And they can just divest themselves of that hardware investment, let Meta take all of the pain and get to work building software experiences that potentially, you know, they'll put on Apple's headset or whoever's headset when somebody wins. Which is more modern Microsoft anyway. Yeah. Like that basically tracks with who Microsoft wants to be as a company. And like they might make a Surface headset someday, but like there's no reason for Microsoft to really try super hard to be way ahead of the game here. They're much better off being on everybody else's stuff right now than trying to build it their own. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because the flip side, the next day they're like, Surface, the computers that we make. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Uh, what were you saying, Alex? No, I was going to say, I am putting my, my inbox at risk for saying this, but I do think Microsoft Teams is actually like sneakily a killer app for VR. Oh, boy. All right. Yeah. I mean, again, my inbox, just PR, just flooded it as soon as uh -huh. I said that. Just a hundred Alex emails. Kranz willing to accept future of work pitches. <laughs> <laughs> Alex at TheVerge.net. I'm so sorry. How will you collaborate in the metaverse? <laughs> AI predicts workplace collaboration. Alex.Kranz at TheVerge.com. Yeah. She's ready. But I think that... I think there is a very small potential for VR to solve like a lot of the problems we're seeing in remote work, right? Like remote work is, is I think about this a lot because working at The Verge, we're a fully remote company. We have a lot of people and work has just changed and how we communicate with each other and how we can like just turn and talk to somebody has changed. And there is some desire to have that connectivity again. And teams could, could do that if they nail it, but currently it's all super creepy and weird. And also, like, nobody wants to have a meeting with their boss and get fired by, like, a cartoon avatar that's just, like, a hellscape that we're all trying to avoid. Yes, that's But bad. if Teams, like, figures out a way to be, like, a good VR app, then maybe that could be a thing. That, okay. I the, just, the, the, the logical leap that you just did in this sentence, if Teams can figure out how to be a good VR app, yeah. is just... <laughs> Enormous. Here's, I just want to just here's a little here's a little <laughs> they, slice they, they, of they, life. They're not putting any resources towards Hololens. They got they can put it towards that now. And they love teams. No, no. Yeah. Let me just offer everybody a little slice of corporate life. So sometimes we're all talking, and I sense, boy, Slack makes everybody a jerk. It's happening again. It happens every day. Slack makes you a jerk. So you should stop doing that. Yeah. You should talk to each other like adults with your voice. And so I say something like. Let's get on a Slack call or let's hop on a Zoom or just call me. And I can hear the devastating sighs <laughs> from 200 miles away of people just being like, oh. And all I'm asking them to do is push one button in the app in which they are already pushing buttons <laughs> and talk with their voice instead of their fingers. And people are like, oh, every day this happens. Every day. Every, it doesn't matter what company you work in. It doesn't, like, uh, The Verge is a great culture. People love each other. Ugh. <laughs> right? Like, 
I assume if you work at a place where people like each other left, it's even a more devastating sigh. Now imagine being like, all right, coworker in Microsoft Teams, what I'd like to do is for you to put on your headset so you can look at me as a cartoon so we can more intimately connect on an emotional level. I just don't think that's going to go well. I feel like there's a lot of things they have to do. <laughs> like there's at least three steps they have to clear. But you know, it can at least happen. three. At least three at least seems three. fair. I'll I cannot that. wait for you to get one of these headsets. I'm getting one of these headsets. We are only meeting in VR from now on. <laughs> I love it. I will say we got a note. I can't remember if it was Addy or Alex who got a note from a reader. It was like the thing I miss most in my life as a designer is whiteboards. Whiteboards are, are now, have always been, and always will be the future of collaboration. I am so excited about the virtual whiteboards. And I was wow. like, yeah, I am too. We, we trash-talked yeah, virtual whiteboards a lot, write... and we were put soundly in our place by that DM. That, <laughs> yeah. that, I think it was Addy who got that. Yeah. It was rough times. <laughs> All right, here's the last thing I want to talk about with Meta. It's what, you know, and we, again, whole episode with Addy, with Chris Grant, I believe. Mm-hmm. Go listen to that. But here's the thing I want to talk about on this. Is it legs? It's not legs. (laughs) None of us on a call have legs. Although the way that Meta has co-opted the legs from being a joke to like being like a joke they're in on is like, it's, you're not in on it yet, guys. (laughs) I hate to tell this to you. I just, it's it's still a joke. The sentence that Mark Zuckerberg said out loud that legs are probably the most requested feature on our roadmap is just. It's not true. It's not true. Like it's just the most requested feature on the roadmap is like, don't make me nauseous better VR. <laughs> yeah. It's like cool things. <laughs> okay, but wait, keep going. What did you want to talk about? Okay, so what I want to talk about is Zuck took this shot in the keynote at Apple. And again, you can tell he's got these like these these speeches, these fragments of speeches that yeah. he's been rehearsing. So he did it in the keynote. He did it with Alex. I've heard him say this stuff like this before. Or he's like, in the history of computing that I'm aware of, sometimes the open system wins and sometimes the closed system wins. And the only history of computing that he's talking about is mobile and PCs, which, yeah. to be fair, are the only eras of computing that we have all lived through. Sometimes I remember that Mark Zuckerberg is about my age. It terrifies me. <laughs> um, and what he means is in PCs, quote, open one, Microsoft one, and there were lots of PC vendors. And then in, in mobile, and this is wildly up for debate, he means a closed one because Apple's a closed ecosystem. We don't apparently mention Android in this conversation. The world's most dominant operating system does not count in Zuck's interpretation of open vCloud, right? Because we use iPhones in America. Yeah, sure. But it's like Android is more popular. I don't don't know what he means by winning and losing. Whatever. I, I just like the Quest is an iPhone. Right? Like, yes. at best, it allows some sideloading. Well, technically, it's an Android phone. Well, right. It runs Android, <laughs> and it allows sideloading. You put other stores on it. Yeah. But, like, the operating system is made by Meta. The hardware is made mm-hmm. by Meta. Most of the applications are made by companies that have been bought by yep. Meta. What do you, What are you talking about? Yeah. So, Addy wrote a great piece that was like, what do you mean by open? And what he basically means by open is, like, many app developers participate in our platform. <laughs> <laughs> and I just I'm I'm curious what you two think about it because a I don't even know that open has lost in this generation of mobile because Android exists and there are lots of there are lots of forks of Android out in the world running on phones in China for example forked Android with no mm-hmm. Google involved running all over the place mm-hmm. there are lots of hardware vendors Samsung obviously dominates and it's the most popular operating system in the world and in the previous era it's like sure there are lots of PC makers but I mean they called it Wintel and the government sued them for being a monopoly. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a bold strategy to hold up 90s era Microsoft as like your bastion of openness. Yeah, it's, it's, I just kind of don't get what the argument is. I've not, and like I said, he's been saying it in different forms around the same shape for a while now. He, I think he's trying to like hope nobody notices that they, that Facebook, excuse me, Meta still makes the hardware. Meta is still in control, regardless of the software, regardless of the developers. They're still in control. It's not like when, when Microsoft did its VR attempt, what, in 2017, 2018, and they're like, everybody can do headsets, and everybody made that there was the Acer headset and the HP headset, and then we never talked about it again. Yeah. Like, that's not happening at Meta. Meta is making the headsets. That's it. And if they control, if you control the hardware and you control the primary app store, how can you call yourself an open ecosystem? I don't think it's, it's it, the primary app store is, I mean, like, Microsoft would love to control the primary app store on Windows. Yeah. Like, it's there. They can't. No one uses it. You know, like, uh, Apple would love to control the Mac app store. No one uses it. Like, I, it's, to me, it's, is the operating system and the hardware, are they independent of each other? Then mm -hmm. you can, you start to begin to claim that things are open, right? Anyone right. can come build some hardware that runs this software. You can compete as a great hardware vendor, or you can, on the flip side, anybody can build an operating system that runs on any piece of hardware, which is less likely, but you know, I think in the Windows ecosystem, you can just run Linux. I think in so many ways, listening to Mark Zuckerberg talk about a lot of this stuff is like, you have to assume his entire brain is in like 2035 <laughs> and is in a world where like the metaverse is everything he imagined. And I think he does genuinely imagine a like broad sort of standards based thing that works more like the open web than like the app store. Right. Cause I think right. when he talks about open versus closed, like very specifically the, where that has bit him is like Apple. Uh, and I think the, the way Addy phrased it, which I really liked was basically like the, the extent to which they dictate the rules of the platform. Mm -hmm. And to the extent that there are lots of developers all over the world building stuff for Apple platforms, it's wildly open in that way. But Apple is like extremely in control of absolutely everything about the platform and can do whatever it wants to you for basically any reason at any time. And even if you don't run afoul of those rules, you know they exist and you know that they can come crashing down upon you at any time. So here's what he said specifically. I strongly believe that an open, interoperable metaverse built by many different developers and companies is going to be better for everyone. Sure. I, I believe him when he says that. Yeah. But I don't believe that he's doing I, that. I would say there's nothing in his company's history that would lead me to believe he'll do that. But I think I believe him when he says that. Sure. Like, isn't like, he going around and buying up every single super successful VR company right and now? And also Facebook exists. Like, <laughs> if you believe this stuff, Facebook would be different. Like, yeah, an open ecosystem will do it, but he's not doing that. He's aggressively against it. I'm just deeply confused. I, I think, like, what he means is, the only competition he sees on the horizon is Apple, which is also making a headset very much like the Quest Pro. Yes. Right. We're anticipating that we'll see it next year. Same price. VR headset everything. with cameras on the outside. It'll do mixed reality with video passer. Alex Heath has reported on that at the information and at the Verge many times. Great. So then he's going to have a competitor. And what Apple is going to sell to you is... Apple. Apple, right? A, a tightly defined experience that other people can participate in on Apple's terms. Right. So Zuck is obviously just trying to differentiate that. I'm just saying I don't – nothing about what he has today is actually differentiated from that. Agreed. Agreed. And that's what I mean by you – like you have to assume Mark lives in 2035 because like yeah. I really think when he looks at the metaverse, he sees a totally different thing than actually exists in the world. Uh, and it's like it's why he talks about everything in these like crazy 10-year things. It's why when you say like who are you going to sell this to, he's basically like ah, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're gonna <sell> <laughs> he really <laughs> is at this point like we just got to keep doing it, you know? Like, yeah. He's just like, I'm going to burn so much money 
and then it's going to be amazing. <laughs> and I, I like, I think he is, he is already at the end of that road when yeah. he talks about some of this stuff. And like, but I, I agree. I mean, the the quest as it exists is price is precisely the Apple model of how this stuff should work. If it's Apple bought all of the best developers, it's an iPhone with like a yeah. medium amount of sideloading. Yeah, right. Like not even like a lot of side, like a medium amount of sideloading. Yeah. The thing that kills me, and I was thinking about this because you know this was like another pre-recorded keynote. And we, we've done, we just had the Google event, which is in person. And the Apple event is like this hybrid where you like David and I watch the video and like whatever. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's kind of like fine with phones. I don't even think it's fine with phones to like see the stuff on video. I think you have to hold and perceive these objects. But like we've been reviewing a lot of phones right. lately and we're like trying to tell people about 120 hertz variable refresh rate displays. And no one can tell you what that looks like. Right. You can't even watch a video yeah. about it. It's even harder with this VR stuff. Like to have the experience of whatever the Quest Pro is compressed and then sent over the internet and displayed on somebody's like crappy, uncalibrated 30 hertz display. <laughs> like <laughs> there's something about these this generation of products that's coming up where people this the cynicism is amplified by how we perceive them. Right. It's like the internet, yes. like looking at pictures, JPEGs on the web do not actually communicate anything about these products. Right. And like I, that's like I think going to be the hardest turn for everyone. It's going to be the hardest turn when you review it. It's going to be the hardest turn when you write about it. It's going to be the hardest turn as more and more companies launch the stuff because there's just nothing. Unless we're already wearing our VR headsets <laughs> we're already in our and headsets. watching the keynotes. Unless we're watching the brilliant VR. pixelated 480p display of our <laughs> Quest Two. <laughs> I think it's 720p with legs. With legs. <laughs> Could there's With a uh, go find it in the video. We didn't like whatever. There's a moment where they're saying they're in the metaverse, right? And it's like Zuck and it's like PM. And he's like, we've done legs. And they have hosted this in like a virtual, I, it looks like a basketball court. It was like really hard to understand what kind of thing they were in. Because it had yeah. bleachers. Did you see the bleachers? I missed the bleachers. <laughs> so they were like talking to each other like in Horizon. And they were like, here's all the stuff we're doing. And there's like people sitting around in bleachers watching them. And they, they clearly, it's like who knows if they were live or if they were programmed, whatever. But the little avatars had the ability to like throw confetti. Oh, yeah, they were all jumping and throwing the confetti. <laughs> and so like Mark is there. But they didn't have legs. They didn't have legs. So Mark, <laughs> the CEO, the billionaire God King CEO of Meta is like, look at my legs. And then everyone in the crowd is like throwing confetti and jumping and their avatars are cut off and then there's just like a black space and a bar underneath it and the whole thing is just like <laughs> vertically jumping like an old Atari game. What if this is the metaverse <laughs> business model? You get to pay for less. <laughs> and they keep throwing this confetti and I was like, everyone should just go watch this moment. It is truly one of the most bizarre <laughs> tech keynote moments you have ever seen. Mark, virtual Mark Zuckerberg trying out his new legs while an audience of cartoons just vertically moves up and down throwing confetti on him. <laughs> Seems it, great. It's, <laughs> I was like, I'd like anybody? all my meetings to have that. And like, you know, we're all remote. So like, I literally was at home watching this at Zoom by myself or watching this on the TV by myself. And I was like, is anybody else seeing this? <laughs> like, no one. Like, you're just like, this is the loneliest I've ever felt. <laughs> Again, you could have been in VR and slowly turned your right. cartoon. We're doing the Avatar next episode of the Vergecast in in the in the metaverse. We're we need to take a break. The whole time. This was supposed to be a quick conversation yeah. about the metaverse, and look at what today. happened to us. This is what the weed smell does to you. We're gonna take a quick yeah. break. We come back. We're talking about the pixel stuff. We'll be right back. 
Support of The Vergecast comes from Shopify. Whether you're a huge company or a small crafter trying to make a buck off your hobby, selling online is one of the best ways to grow. Shopify is one of the top e-commerce platforms that you can use to get started. But it's not just online. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. And you can sell wherever, online or with their in-person point of sale system. You can also sell more with less effort with their AI-powered tool, Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. You might recognize more brands who already use Shopify, like Rothy's, Brooklinen, Allbirds, and more. Millions of entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries rely on Shopify for their e-commerce needs. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash vergecast. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash vergecast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash vergecast. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, we're back. It's review season. This is great. So we reviewed the Pixel Watch. We reviewed the Pixel 7 and the Pixel 7 Pro. What do you think? I, well, let's start with the watch because I think as our reviews confirmed, the watch is substantially more interesting than the phones this year, just Mm -hmm. in terms of like new stuff happening. My takeaway, V's review is really great and everyone should read it, but indeed, I was kind of unimpressed in a way that was a little bit of a bummer. Like Google, it's the first ever smartwatch. They like, they made a nice thing which I think was a big win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and by all accounts, it is a nice thing. It's a little small. The The bezels are a little big, but my experience has been the same as V's where like in actual use, you don't really notice the bezel. They did a good job with the UI. The band thing is nifty, but it's like I wanted Google to like really get one piece of this right, right? And it was like, there was a, a this is their first one. It was clearly not going to You mean be- right or like- just nail it. Like, like crush it. Yeah. Like I, I think what, what Google really needed to do was like have one thing that it was like, a plus job, Google. And I assumed that would be the health stuff because they have Fitbit. Yeah. They like talked to big game about all the sensors they were putting into this. And it was like, okay, if this thing was a kick-ass fitness tracker and a pretty good everything else, that's like an awesome start from Google. They're going to be in this for real. Yeah. And instead it seems like Google did pretty well on everything without nailing anything. And that yeah. kind of left me cold. Yeah, they didn't push the on. It felt very pixel. It was very pixel. That's fair. Well, no, but the pixel you know, pushes the envelope, at least on photography every other year or so, right? Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. And pixel drama aside, like the, the thing of the pixel is not designed to win. You know, it's like it's a hedge against Samsung and it's like a showcase for Google to be googly. You know, every yeah. 30 days, the pixel just kills one feature automatically. <laughs> um, it just takes one thing away. 
horrible. If you want them to live, you have to start buying pixels. <laughs> exactly. But, but I see what you're saying about the watch. Like they made an Apple watch for Android users, but like an Apple watch four for Android users. Yeah. Yes. And like the Google Assistant thing is a big win. Uh, my overwhelming experience is that Google Assistant is better than Siri at absolutely everything. Yeah. I I don't know if this has been your experience recently, but Siri is worse than ever for me all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so bad. So stupid. It's crazy. And I get the thing where just I'm just thunderously like, dumb. I do like a basic reminder and it does the thing where it's like, one moment, still thinking. Yeah. I'm sorry, please try again. And I'm like, I'm on Wi-Fi, dude. Like, what's the problem here? But anyway, Google Assistant is way better than Siri at all of the things you would want to do on a smartwatch. And that seemed to be V's experience too. Like, the mic is pretty good. The speakers are pretty good. Outside of that, it just doesn't feel like Google nailed anything here. Like the Fitbit stuff is good, but missing some of the best Fitbit things, like it doesn't have automatic workout detection. And at the very least, this thing should have been like the mega Fitbit, yeah. right? Yeah. Like it's more expensive. It's more impressive. It's clearly where Fitbit is headed is this device, which V wrote. I think she reviewed the Sense 2 and was basically like, Google is going to eat this thing to death with devices called Pixel. Yeah. And I think that's right. But in order to do that, this needed to be if nothing else, like a truly, truly kick-ass Fitbit. And it gets it gets almost there. And it does all the things it does pretty well. But there were just a bunch of like little places it fell down. It like ended a couple of her workouts early and it didn't do the workout detection. And just little things that it's like, if you, you, they knew they had to get this right. Like Rick yeah. Osterlo told me, he was like, we know the thing we have to do if we want to get to this like magical wrist computer smartwatch future, we have to get fitness right. And that's why people will buy it today. And they'd like almost but not quite got there. The thing that got me in, in V's review and you know, about the Pixel Watch in general is uh, it doesn't know when you're washing your hands, which is not a useful feature of the Apple Watch at this point. Like, yeah. They rolled out hand washing detection. When it was useful. In early 2020. Yeah. When everyone was still like afraid to of shopping. To remind everybody not to be disgusting. You know, people are like Windexing their cardboard boxes. Do you whatever. guys still wash your hands obsessively, by the way? Because that is one. I do wash my hands. I'm not doing it for 20 seconds. Are you kidding me? No, that's who has You're the still time. singing happy birthday twice? Like, what no, are you, you doing? Sing, you sing the chorus of Mr. Brightside. That's what it is. Oh it's the chorus of Mr. Brightside. Uh, <laughs> David's still like, in a, David's like, I'm a sophomore in college and I'm going to sing. It's, it's perpetually 3 a.m. David has come home from the bar every time he washes his hands. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I'm just like wearing, I'm trying to be careful all this stuff, but like, I'm like, you know what? Like a little bit of soap, we're good, right? Like, um, yeah. But like, at least the Apple Watch is like, you know, 75%. It's like, I I think you're washing your hands. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. The Pixel Watch, you have to tell it that you're washing your hands. And I'm like, this guarantees that no one will ever no use one, this feature. Correct. And Google is like <laughs> the most powerful AI company on planet Earth. And it hasn't figured out, or is this watch on a wrist? connected to hands that are being washed. <laughs> and that to me is just like a, it's just a miss. They didn't finish the feature all the way. Yeah. And I, that. Well, how would they have known? Like, I don't want to give pics. I don't want to give Google any credit here because they're one of the largest, richest companies in the world. They should be able to do this and figure it out and nail it on the first try. But this is also like the first try and they're not, they're used to a lot of ways that humans interact with computers, but computer risk computers is, is a totally new thing for them as evidenced by Wear OS one and two, like they've sucked at it for a long time and they've made no effort. Now they're like, okay, we've got to make our effort. Well, no, they've been chasing after this for like, Five or six years. This, this is, also, this is why it. you buy Fitbit. Like the, the, the answer to your question is they screwed it up so they had to spend billions of dollars on Fitbit. Right. And to be fair, it does seem like like the, the leap from what you get with Google Fit to what you get with Fitbit and thus the Pixel Watch is massive. So like in that sense, yeah. kudos, they did the thing. But 
I mean, I and, and I take your point, Alex, that like a, a year of people wearing these things will give Google a lot of data about when they're doing things like washing their hands that might turn out to be useful for V2 of this. The, but again, the hand washing thing to me is not important because no robot is going to tell me to wash my hands for 20 seconds. Like, again, I'm in and yeah. out of there. Like, I believe the soap works. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? You just like run your hand under it real yeah. fast. I'm like, like a little kid. Fast. I go in there. I turn on the water I make sure my wife heard it. I turn off the water. I'm out. You know, like um, <laughs> you should wash your hands correctly. No one shake. <laughs> It's like how little kids do it, you know? I don't care what they have. Siri can't force me to do anything. Uh, But they know this is the bar. That's what I mean. If you're going to have this feature and you know your competition is Apple, and it's not even just Apple, this is the thing where if it's good enough, people might leave the iPhone. Right. You make you make right. a wrist computer that's for so the watch, competitive. not for the hand wash. Right. And so then you got to You got to look at every feature of this thing and say, is it that much better than the only competition that's real? Because they're not trying to take market share away from yeah. Samsung. They are trying to build a compelling wearable that lots of people will wear because they think this is the future of ambient computing is to have a computer on your body. And then mm-hmm. you take share away from Apple, all, all these things. And they're like, okay, ship the hand washing feature that you have to tell it count to 20. So it's not even a hand washing feature. It's just a 20 <laughs> second timer that you can enable with a tap, right? And it's like, that's obviously not good enough. Like it, it obviously isn't a complete yeah. idea. Like just don't like take it out. Actually, don't ship halfway ideas. Ship only the things that are so much better that people are like, maybe I should give up my iPhone because this thing looks so cool. And I don't think anybody's looking at this thing and thinking that looks so cool. I want to give up my iPhone, especially not in a world where the Apple Watch Ultra exists. Yeah. Like, where, where's the disconnect coming at, at Google, though? Because Rick Osterloh was like, yes, this is the future. We're doing this. And then, like, apparently the the PM or whoever was in charge was like, we're doing what? Like, <laughs> We're do we're doing a nice Apple Watch knockoff. We're doing the Android version of an Apple Watch Series Four. So like, wh- why did it like? Yeah, why it took a long it time, so right? I mean, this thing was basically delayed. A, yeah, like, it took a long six months, time. A year. At least, yeah. I mean, yeah. It is. It is an interesting counterfactual to know like what would have happened if the Fitbit acquisition had gone through much quicker. Because at least the story Google has told me is basically like we wanted to do this thing. We knew we couldn't do it properly until we got Fitbit. And then the Fitbit thing took forever. And I think Google correctly surmised Mm -hmm. that every day they didn't launch a smartwatch was a problem. So I think I definitely got the sense that this was like not a rush job, but like there was a there was a day circled on the calendar a long time ago that it was like, if we miss this, it's a problem. And that day was probably in like 2020. And now here we are. <laughs> but I think I mean, to me, it's like the, the question of what is Google trying to do with this, I think, is part of what's super interesting, because on the one hand, it's. I think they are trying to take away from Samsung. I, I, I think Rick Osterloh's remit is to get market share in the phone space and the easiest way for them to do that is to steal share from Samsung. Like, I don't know that Sundar Pichai is that worried about it, but like Rick Osterloh definitely is. Yeah. They also want to take away from the iPhone. They also want to do the like big, broad ambient computing vision, which means plugging into everything else that Google does. And they want to make sure that they have a thing that will keep people who currently use Android phones from switching to an iPhone in order to get an Apple Watch. And so they're they're playing with all these things and the bar for each one of them is very different. And it just feels like trying to do that Trying to satisfy all of those things on your first try was just always going to be very hard. So for that reason, I'm sympathetic. The stuff I'm less sympathetic to is like not getting the Fitbit stuff right because they knew they needed to and they got it fine, but not good enough. The battery life is the one that really kills me. Like if you want to come out and instantly have a move in the smartwatch market, 
it's the battery. Like yeah. that's just it. And Fitbit has done good battery stuff over time. And if I'm Google, I would have stripped the thing way down and basically been like, it's a Fitbit and it's Google Assistant. It does nothing else and it lasts for three days. Like what's up? And I think I genuinely yeah. think that would have done something. And, and said instead it like barely lasts a day if you like V's takeaway was basically if you really, really baby it, it'll last a day. But that's if you don't use it very much and you don't have the always on display on. And <laughs> I mean that matches the that, first gen I the first gen Apple Watch. Yeah, that was seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't get to do like you don't get to play <laughs> by 2015 rules in 2022, even if this is your first smartwatch. <laughs> What, like it is and it is. Yeah, she lost like what twenty five percent of her battery in an hour long run. Yeah, with just GPS on, and that's that's it. I mean, GPS does suck a lot of battery, but that should not be a thing in twenty twenty two. For a big Apple competitor, you shouldn't have to worry about losing a quarter of your battery just because you're making the awful choice to run. <laughs> yeah, kudos to all people who run. Yeah. Yeah. Running's a disaster. I love you, but I like the. I think it was V who told me that like one one of her theories is like the marathon test. Like, could I run a marathon with this? And it wouldn't die. And this would die. And yeah. it fails the marathon test. Yeah. I don't know how fast V runs marathons, but I I would not make it with it with this thing through a marathon. One of my favorite TikTok <laughs> trends is the people who are trying to run a marathon at the pace of the, the world record that was just set, which is you have to basically run it 13 or 14 like miles an dead hour. Dead sprint. Yeah. Um, and then like they're like, this dude did it for two hours and people are like 30 seconds and falling down. Like, <laughs> like yeah. the treadmill ramps all the way up and they fall down. Like it's great. That's my that's my marathon test. Uh, let's talk about the Pixel 7, Pixel 7 Pro. They are very iterative. I mean, they fix some things. It seems like they don't get as hot. The cameras are ever so slightly improved. The fingerprint seems to work better, which is a it's, win. She, uh, Allison said it was a beat faster in the review. I'll take so, it. So it's not slow, I mean, but it's a beat faster. It's and they same, added same. face unlocks. You don't have to use it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm looking at the photo. I mean, obviously, what do I look at? I look at the photos, and I'm just blown away by how much Google is doing with these cameras now, especially the the zoom stuff they're doing, which is not as good as Samsung in mm-hmm. some of our sample shots. But Samsung has a dedicated lens. This is like Google's adding the ultra wide, the main camera, the zoom, and they're getting a really passable super zoom. But it, I still just scares me. Yeah, she has. Allison put a shot in here comparing the Pixel 7 Pro's 10x crop mode to the 10x dedicated zoom on the S22 Ultra. And the S22 Ultra, like you said, is, is definitely better. better. It's a dedic- it's dedicated glass, and Allison even says in the review, like, there's only so much you can do by cropping pixels. Like, that just is true. It looks so much better than I expected it to Oh yeah, if you, didn't, if you weren't, Like, it's really, really If this impressive. wasn't an image slider and you weren't directly comparing the two, you'd be like, oh, that's great. Yeah, it's a smidge dark, which yeah. actually makes sense given yeah. what it is. But it looks really good. And 10x, I mean, I'm used to like the 5x pictures coming out of phones looking borderline unusable. And this is like a perfectly functional photo. It's really impressed. It does bring up fascinating yeah, these, philosophical It's questions. like a photo you could send to your friends and family yeah. and not get judged. Totally. Yeah. But again, it's like they're merging three cameras into one, multiple frames. At some point, you're just holding your phone up to reality. like. An AI prompt and being like, tell me what you think the sign looks like. <laughs> I'm just like fascinated by this. Like it Google has pushed so far beyond the what is a photo debate with with particularly the Zoom stuff and some of the video stuff they're doing that Yeah. I don't know. Like I we probably just need to call Google and be like, give us the Pixel team again. Let's let's smoke some weed in the studio and really get into it. <laughs> yeah. We should do that. Cause it's not, you're you're right. They're way beyond like what kinds of nifty stuff can we do with your pixels? And they've gone into, we're going to take all these pixels, we're going to feed them into our neural network, and it's going to spit out what it thinks it's seeing. And it's like there, there is a there is a yeah. black box step in there yep. that 
even like even pixel binning is like a little bit of black magic, but it's at least it is math with pixels. Yeah. <laughs> this is like math with pixels, underpants gnome, step two, step three, photo. Yeah. It's nuts. Right. You're taking multiple exposures off one camera. You're taking multiple exposures off another camera at a different focal length. And then you're producing a, a zoom image at a, yet a third. Pro, and it's like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going on. Um, Looks good, though. It looks amazing, but I'm dying to have some more detail on how this works just because, you know, they say when companies claim they're going to do this kind of stuff, there's a part of me when Mark Zuckerberg shows off his ultra realistic and extremely well moisturized high resolution avatar. (laughs) That shit's dewy. Yeah. You're like, that's great. This is a demo, like whatever. Like, and he tells you how complicated Google announces this stuff. They say they're going to do all this stuff. When you see the photo, then that's when all the what is a photo. Like they, we actually, they shipped the phone. Allison has it. We've taken a lot of pictures with it. Oh, it works. And there's a step in there where they are recreating whatever the image is that is just utterly fascinating to me. Well, and the the photo and blur yeah. feature is is an even more like direct version of that, right? <laughs> You're like, it. We, I took a photo and it's like, oh, here's a different photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's literally the enhance button, yeah. right? It's like so, it's my favorite part of the review, honestly. The photo on blur slider? Yeah. I just, I spent, I'm, I'm like, I just scrolled down to look at it again and I'm just like, wee, look at this guy. He's so in focus. His hair is so detailed. Blur. It's great. Yeah. But like the computer just made up the detail. Yeah. Like, and I think we, we we've seen that Sometimes with Adobe too. Oh, David zoomed way in on this thing. I'm watching. I'm yeah. watching him do the slider pixel by pixel. There's just something <laughs> about his eye that doesn't look human. Yeah, like because a computer looks, made it up. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. Right. It looks drawn. Like a, it looks better. Like it clearly improves the photo in terms of like it looks more like what a photo should look like. But as I look at this, he looks less like a person. In the processed photo, this is a shot of basically, I think it's Novak Djokovic from a bunch of years ago, right after he hit a tennis shot. And it's like a profile shot. And it's it's blurry in the like person who is slightly moving blurry. Yeah. Right. And then you you go over and it's like, it looks a little like if you just open like the photos app and just crank sharpness up to a thousand mm-hmm. in that it, it kind of looks like it just drew edges around it. But then there's like something in his eyes that it just, it he looks less human afterwards. Yeah. And it's a little creepy. Well, like it gives him these highlights that just feel that again, feel like that, that oh, the sharpening thing in Photoshop where you're just like, oh, that's a little unpleasant. He's got like highlights mm-hmm. on his face. There's like a guy in the background wearing a, a striped shirt and his shirt just gets gross looking <laughs> when, when it goes. The computer is like, your shirt's thing. a little uglier than before now. <laughs> this is how I perceive yeah. reality. That just, guy, his shirt sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he sucks. I know, it's a lot. Look, go read the reviews. Allison, Allison's segue is they're slightly better versions of last year's phone. They're competitive with Apple and Samsung. What more can you ask for? And I think that ties well into a piece that Dan wrote today that's like all the action this year is in the watches. Yep. Like Apple Watch Ultra, yep. Pixel Watch, Samsung's latest watches, even Garmin's latest watches, far more interesting products than the iPhone 14 or the S22 or whatever. Like, Right. The Pixel set. Like, they're all just, like, extremely iterative phone updates. And the watches are where all the heat is, so. There's just more to do in watches at this point. Like, yeah. more, like, work to be done. Phones are just phones. There's little rectangles of despair. Yeah, and it's like you can go in and slightly fix the things that are broken. And if you try to do new things, 
people freak out. <laughs> yeah. I will say, and I'm just pointing this out, to all the YouTube commenters are like, out there who are like, you would never... Did I do this last week? Yeah, you did this I last did. week. You can do it again if it'll make you feel better. No, I don't remember what I did last week. Yeah. I also did a version of this to post on YouTube Shorts, and Viren didn't post it, so I don't remember what I did last week. <laughs> I was like, I'm making a YouTube Short about it, and Viren was like, don't do this. Oh, wait. Speaking of things yeah. that have not changed about phones, I got an iPhone 14 Pro. Uh -oh. It has a dynamic island. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many times I have remembered to do something with a dynamic island? Zero times, as yeah. a spoiler alert. Aww. The dynamic island instantly ceased to exist in my brain as soon as I got the phone. <laughs> I turned off the always-on display because I hate it. Yep, Does it's not. It's awful, awful it's implementation of that feature. And the dynamic island is like, fine, I don't notice it. I do like the thing where there's like a little bit of a waveform and it shows the podcast that I'm listening to. But like as a as a place for interaction, I have gotten nothing out of it so far. So if you make a cool app that uses the dynamic island, please send it to me. Otherwise, I'm just like you gotta, sad you're, at You're waiting island. on live activities, man. I guess so. Like there, it doesn't. It's going to be a game changer. It's not going to be. <laughs> I don't have to tell you. It's huge, it does huge, move around huge a moment lot. in your life. Have you noticed that like now that you've got it and you're using it, it's like. Oh, it's like, oh, it's a, it's still computer stuff. Like sometimes it does, doesn't do what it's supposed to do. I like it. My thing that I've really noticed is there's something about the phone stand on my desk mm -hmm. that the sun hits it at the exact angle where you can see nah. all the parts underneath. Oh, wow. So it just doesn't look like I have a dynamic island. It's just, it's just like, here's some sensors. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's fine. Uh, Richard Lawler, uh, by the way, Virtual Superstar Richard Lawler. The, uh, beloved. The, the audience clamoring yeah. to get this man back on the show, which maybe you will do. We can't do it again. It was, it was too <laughs> it was much. Too, the, the people aren't ready. Good. The people aren't ready. He showed up. He dunked <laughs> on crypto powerful. for 45 minutes. He left. That's it. It's <laughs> the full uh, Richard experience. <laughs> there's an Android version of Dynamic Island. Oh, yeah. And Richard is, he keeps posting it on the site because we had quick posts. And he keeps pointing out that it's better than the Dynamic Island. <laughs> it's very good. It's very good. Okay, we got to take a break. We still have like 9,000 Microsoft announcements to get through. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Most weight loss programs focus on restriction and inflexible routine, which is why most diets fail. But Noom isn't a diet. It's a weight management program that uses psychology and biology to help you develop healthy, sustainable habits. Noom believes that weight loss starts with the brain, and their daily lessons are tailored to help users understand the science behind food cravings and eating choices. Whether you want to lose weight, increase physical activity, meet a health goal, or simply change the way you think about food, Noom can help you build healthy habits while still enjoying your favorite foods. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. All right, we're back. I don't even know how 
to get through the amount of Microsoft news there is. Alex, do you want to try? We start with Teams. We start with Teams. Yeah. We work our Here, way here's the, there's only one piece of important Microsoft news. Microsoft Office is being rebranded to Microsoft 365. Woo. Which is just I like weird. It. I you hate like it. it. I hate it. I'm Alex, saying that because first. I know David hates yeah, it. Yeah, you go first. I'd like okay. to hear your case so I can pick it apart piece by piece. I, I like it not necessarily like for me as a person, but I like it for Microsoft attempting to get away from the fact that they're known as the boring office company by being like, what if we just get rid of that word? Because work is now 365 days a year. <laughs> and so will we... Be. Yeah. Like in, in that way, I'm like, yes, this makes a lot of sense. This is what a great branding exercise. But that that's as far as I get. I'm just like, neat. It Love sounds it. like the store brand at the grocery store. That's what I have to offer yeah. you. It yeah. absolutely does. Okay. It's Whole Foods. <laughs> yeah. I have two thoughts on this. One, 365 is a bad brand that no one is allowed to have <laughs> because the earth has it. <laughs> like the, the, our planet has a trademark on 365 as a brand. So you, no one else gets to have that. Also, do you know what everyone on earth knows about? Microsoft <laughs> Office. It is like, honestly, on in the scheme of like brand recognition, there are probably not mm. that many things that have more of it than Microsoft Office. So now this is not like Google trying to rebrand G Suite into Google Workspace. And look how messy that's been. This is Microsoft taking like one of its oldest, most successful and best known products and giving it a stupid name for no reason. This like... This yeah. just, I, I can imagine the Love meeting it. here, which is my favorite part of this. It's a bunch of executives sitting in a meeting saying, okay, we have a lot of office users, but they're older and like the Gen Z doesn't vibe with office in the same way. And we want, we want people to think of this as something new and cool. And no one raised their hand and said, well, as long as they're called Word and Excel, we're not accomplishing anything. Yeah. Uh, but they, so then they decide like we need an edgy, cool new brand. Let's call it Microsoft 365. Yeah, yeah. no, it's good. Somebody skateboarded in (laughs) with their backwards baseball cap. It was like 365 and skateboarded out. It was 365. Yeah, because everyone's everyone knows that. That went great. Well, that's how you pay for it. (laughs) 365 days a year. Yeah, the SAS model of office is 365. It does seem like a huge miss. And I buy that they were like the kids hate work. Right, you get a bunch of cranky olds, and you're like, these kids today don't want to work. You can't tell them to go back to the office. Yeah, so we're going to call it like Microsoft Kick-Ass Fun Time. Yeah, Microsoft Work From Home. <laughs> Microsoft Unlimited Vacation though. Days. Huh? That's what they did. They yes. absolutely were like, oh, no, we, we the kids don't like the office. The Gen yeah. Z, they're 12, and they hate the office because they're 12. <laughs> <laughs> but we are Microsoft and we are unavoidable. <laughs> yeah. It is one of the most baffling brand decisions of all time. One of the strongest brands in all of tech is Microsoft Office. Next, they're going to call Windows computer time and it's just not going to work. Yeah. Windows 24-7. Windows 24-7. <laughs> so what they're allowed to do because they got rid of this year's the version 10. They got rid of the Office brand name. They can roll more products into it. Right. So Office was tightly defined. The bundle was getting too big. Microsoft 365 is like anything. <laughs> anything <laughs> like at some point they were like Xbox now part of the Microsoft 365 family. It's coming. That's just, absolutely just get the ready. reason they did it. Yeah. They were like, well, yes. Microsoft designer isn't an Office product. And somebody goes, well, we got to change that then. Yeah. <laughs> at some point they're going to bring back the Office branding just for the Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. And one, one drive, one note. Whatever it's it's just if you have a good brand that everybody knows that has been very successful you for for you for decades, don't change it. 
Yeah. There's my free business advice for you for the day. Just change the logo. Everybody will be mad about the logo. Trust me. <sighs> you got to believe me. Coca-Cola. We're now Soda America. Like, it's nothing. It's nothing. Fizzy 365. Again, sounds like the store brand. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's the big Microsoft news. That's it. That's the first customer. No. They announced like 500 other things. I would drink Fizzy 365. I just want, I just, <laughs> it's, it's, that's. It'll be cheaper. That's, that's carbonated soil. No, you'll get, is, you'll get Mr. or Dr. Fizzy. <laughs> Mr. Fizzy 365. <laughs> Pitbull's lesser known alter ego, Mr. Fizzy 365. Please, Dr. Fizzy is my father. <laughs> That's horrible. Oh my God, Pitbull's got a son, Fizzy 365. I can't wait for him to hit. But they did announce a lot of stuff. They did today. announce. Uh, they, or fact, this week. I mean, they did and they didn't. They they announced a lot of products, but did they announce much? Okay, I don't so know. let's start. Let's start with the thing that I'm always the most fascinated by, which is the Surface Studio Two, because I desperately want a Surface yes. Studio. I love this product. I love the hinge. I believe you mean the Surface Studio Two, two Plus. Plus, the, it's I, streaming service. Now. It's very clear why they named it the Surface Studio Two Plus because they changed virtually nothing, including the CPUs, <sighs> stuck with 11th gen <laughs> Intel CPUs in there. But they added a laptop grade 3060 as a GPU, which is the yeah. knock on the service studio is it always had a weak GPU. So they're like, do you want this GPU? It's from last year and we are running it at laptop speeds. Fine. <laughs> it seems great. It's also $4,300, which is bananas. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want one very badly. I've always wanted one. And one day they're going to make one. The hinge is cool. The hinge is cool. I, I just, just love make the a idea monitor. Like, Why don't they just make a monitor? The Office 365 monitor. Monitor 365. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this dream. Again, most of my life is Zoom meetings. So it, I'll be yeah. in a Zoom meeting and it particularly tense. And I'll stand and I'll like roll the monitor down and then point down at people. <laughs> and be like, we're making this decision. I don't I have weird ideas about work. <laughs> Have you ever been like, suddenly Neil is towering above me. I have not moved. But you could do that in VR, too. <laughs> Teams With VR supports legs. that. Every, every part of this is, is just me being a more tyrannical boss at work. You remove everybody else's legs. You loom over So them. that's a Studio 2 Plus. They added the 3060, which is a reasonable good GPU for that device. Yeah. To me, honestly, the, it's so expensive. The, that's the main problem. Like, I still think it's a cool thing. Yeah. And the one they shipped two years ago is, like, relatively powerful. Like, it's weird that they didn't update it. But it's still probably a very good machine. It's just twice the price it should be. Yeah. It's crazy. Then they did the Surface Pro 9. Kind of a lot going on with the Surface Pro 9. Yes. The, the CPU stuff there interests me a lot. Because they did, they did Intel. They got rid of AMD. Or no, they never had AMD on the Surface Pro 9. Yeah, that was just the laptop. Okay. So it's... It's kind of interesting to me because they did Intel and then they've also just gotten rid of the Surface Pro X and put the ARM chip into this. And that's very clearly like Apple's running circles around both Qualcomm and Microsoft for years. I mean, two years, but still, that's years. And now they're going to try to compete. They've been trying for years, but this could be good. This chip is a, it's a Microsoft Qualcomm co-jam, right? Like, I don't actually know anything about this yeah. chip. What, yeah, you know? so so this is like the next in that generation. They did the Surface Pro 9 that had the last generation of this chip. This is the new SQ3. It's going to have 5G support. This is the only way to get 5G on the Surface Pro 9. Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
it's it's interesting, but we haven't seen it yet. We haven't gotten to play with it. Tom played with it, and he was like, well, it seems fast enough. It seems to do the stuff. And that's always been the complaint about the Surface Pro 9 is it's this really cool, super tiny, super thin device, and it's awesome. But then you go and, and try to do anything besides some little Office 365-ing, and, and you're, you're done. It's actually called Microsoft 365 Excuse me, Microsoft 365-ing, sorry. It's Dr. Fizzy to you, Alex. <laughs> Well, I mean, so the, it's interesting that you can pick between Intel and ARM. Mm-hmm. You know, the Surface line is kind of like an odd one because it got totally blown up by the pandemic in a way that I don't like Microsoft is still reckoning with. Like the last time we talked to Panos in depth, he was here in the office pre-pandemic. He had the Surface was the Neo, the dual screen, the Surface Duo. Yeah. They were pushing in the, the Surface, uh, what was it? The Surface Pro X. Mm-hmm. That was their ARM device mm-hmm. at the time. And they were pushing towards this dual screen future. They were pushing towards ARM. And then the pandemic hit and all of those plans evaporated. Like they just right. went away. So this is kind of like a, just a re, just a refocusing of what they're doing with Surface in a real way. But like Windows on ARM, like we're still, still trade-off city. And now it's like what you get for that trade-off is 5G, probably better battery life. Unclear what the performance will be. And then right. your other choice is Intel where you get all your apps, but it's still an Intel chip in this form factor, which means it's going to run hot and the battery life will be low. Yeah. The thing for me with the ARM stuff has always been that you're fighting a bunch of battles simultaneously. It's like there are performance mm-hmm. questions, there are battery life questions. And I would argue continually, most of all, it's it's an app compatibility thing, right? Like you, you buy these devices and they just don't run most things because Microsoft has not either done enough or been able to get its developers to do enough to be part of this. And Alex, you and I were talking about this earlier this week, like Microsoft is clearly committed to this. Like it, it has these developer kits out there. It's made it easier. It's issuing all kinds of new stuff. It seems to be mercifully done with the idea of trying to make a whole new Windows just for ARM. And it's like, we just need to make actual Windows work. Yep. Yep. But I I am suspicious of the idea that this is going to be the one. Like I think Microsoft is right to keep trying on this because it has to, and it has to keep convincing developers to play along and convince them that it's the future and it's worth, you know, re-architecting their apps to make it work. I just, yeah. I have a hard time imagining that this is going to be the one that like magically makes Windows work well on ARM. Yeah. I hope that's well, they true. they still have but to I figure don't. out, like the, the secret sauce of, of the Mac, of Mac OS is that they, they now just emulate everything on ARM. Right. They were like, okay, we know a lot of people are going to switch over, but also we're just going to do really, really, really good emulation. So it doesn't even matter. So you can play your games or whatever and go. And Microsoft just hasn't done that. And I'm not really clear why they haven't. I mean, part of it is the chips, right? Like the the Mac just has so much performance to spare that yeah. it can it can do a lot of that emulation pretty successfully in a way that, you know, these, these deeply subpar Qualcomm chips just have not been able to hack so far. Um, I would also say Catalyst on the Mac is like all over the place in my experience. I've had some apps that work really well and I've had some apps that suck. And I don't know if that's just my own experience, but that's that's certainly what I've seen sometimes. But I think Microsoft, again, it's it's like back to that same thing, right? You kind of have to get all these things right simultaneously before it's going to really work. Mm-hmm. And it's a weird sort of chicken and egg problem where it's like without the right chip, you're not going to get the apps to work. And without the apps, the chip isn't going to get you there because the apps don't matter. So it's like they they have to they have to pull a lot of things all together at the same time and have not successfully done that so far. Yeah, I mean... I'll be real. I'm not super, super confident in the SQ3. Like Apple has a ton of resources behind it to make really, really good chips. And Microsoft just does not prove that out as evidenced by the Studio 2 Plus existing (laughs) out in the world with super old chips in it. Like that that kind of hardware stuff. There's some of that that they just 
are failing on repeatedly. So I'm not like, I want to be excited about this. I, I want to be really enthusiastic. I can't wait to try it out and see how fast it is. But, ooh, I'm not confident that they're going to nail it this time. I will say, if they have gotten closer, then mm. the thin and light, long battery life, reasonable performance, but it's Windows, it's a whole ass operating system that's actually represents the the competitive break with Apple that Microsoft's been chasing for. Oh, absolutely. Time. Right. Instead 100%. of instead of like here's here's everything you ever wanted, but we're gonna treat you like a baby. Versus yeah. it's not quite everything you ever wanted, but we treat you like an adult who can get a virus on their computer. Yeah. <laughs> like those are your choices. And like Microsoft might have a product that can actually make that case in a way that no Intel tablet has ever really made that case. Two things I want to ask though. One, uh, well, two things, related ideas. Mm-hmm. One, there's no headphone jack on this thing, which is just brutal for a tablet of this size. Yeah. Just Especially because the design is the same as last year, basically, and last year had headphone jack. What are you doing? What, what, you can't just, just don't. Well, they have to make room for the neural processing unit on the new Qualcomm chip. You know, you gotta, yeah. you gotta, sometimes you have to sacrifice for stuff that may or may not actually make the product better. Okay. So that's one. Yeah. Two, how well do you think this will take Tom Brady just absolutely ripping this thing down the field? Because <laughs> it's gonna, <laughs> I mean, break it's it in a, half. It's the first thing that's gonna happen. You know, the NFL yeah, had to issue like a, like a directive to the teams being like, stop destroying the tablets, please. I hope that's Tom Brady's true legacy. Do they all use the Surface Pro 8 or do they give them like really old Surface because they know they're just going to flip? I like to imagine they're like <laughs> Surface RTs yeah. and they just barely yeah. work. <laughs> that's that's why they're fleeing them. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Last piece of Microsoft hardware really is the Surface Laptop 5. This is basically another chip story. So last year, mm-hmm. Microsoft hedged some bets, added some AMD into the mix, AMD price performance, heat, kind of better than Intel for the past couple of generations. You can see why they went with it yep. in the laptop. This year, we're back to Intel 12th generation. Can I run a conspiracy theory by yeah. you? I'm curious yeah. if there's any chance that I'm right. So you just talked to Pat Kelsinger on the other podcast that we don't talk about. Yeah. It was actually very good. It was a good episode of Decoder, uh, unlike all the rest that of That dude's them. a huge nerd. Um, oh, my God. The acronyms. Good <laughs> Lord. Okay. But anyway, one thing all of these announcements made me wonder is, like, is Microsoft aware of the Intel roadmap? And slowing its role to meet Intel at a point at which everyone is doing good things again. And so at this point is like, why are we going to reinvent the wheel for continually crappy Intel chips when something real and good is coming in one, two, three years? And all we need to do is actually just match that and then we can run together. Why would anyone wait? Yeah, what's like her, Intel what screwed on? it up so badly. Why would anybody trust Intel again? Because what other choice like did they, they have? They, AMD. But, the, but the, they didn't. They chose not to do it. This right? is what like, I'm saying. So the, is that yeah. why they chose? Like, is that why you keep throwing your lot in? Because otherwise, I'm with you. I agree. Like, you're nuts to not continue to pit Intel and AMD against each other unless there is a, like, moment in the future that you're betting on in a big way. I just can't see any other reason. I wouldn't be surprised if external pressures, like Monica and I were talking about this in the office earlier this week after the event, and we were both like, like she was super, super bummed that that AMD wasn't on this thing. We're like, well, why isn't it there? And sometimes in the laptop world, somebody says, hey, how about you just use our chips in your devices? And I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of what happened here. <laughs> but in like a, I feel like you need to say that again in like a much scarier way. Yeah. Like, I, oh, I can't. nice computers you have there. <laughs> yeah, look, what, like, like, Microsoft can just issue that threat right back to Intel. Yes, like, this is, Yeah. Yeah. It would be a shame if Windows didn't run on your chips, Pat. Well, I mean, I don't necessarily <laughs> think, like, also there's just money. Money gets, people just give people money and are like, hey, 
I want to be exclusive here. Yeah. I don't know if that's legal or illegal. I'm hoping I'm not accusing two companies of breaking the law. No, I mean, they're allowed to, you're allowed to, you're allowed to spend some money. (laughs) Yeah. You got a little 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 walk around money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's just fascinating. Like Microsoft's chip choices here are fascinating across the board. Mm -hmm. I agree. Everyone's waiting for Intel to take this turn, but it's also Microsoft. The stack of things Microsoft has to accomplish with Surface is just as complicated as Google's Pixel Watch stack, right? They have to Mm -hmm. set the bar for all their OEMs. They have to keep both chip makers happy and participating. They have to not overcompete with the Lenovo's and Dell's of the world. They have to compete with Apple at $1,000 and above, which is where the Lenovo's and the Dell's don't really compete anymore. On and on and on. And you kind of just like, the thing is inherently political. Like the laptop, more than anything, the laptop is inherently political because the OEMs have basically stopped making surface-shaped things. Or they do, but they're like very Mm enterprise-focused. So like, and no, like Lenovo is not out there with a Surface Studio 2 Plus. Like (laughs) that's just like the hinge engineers at Microsoft got, they they got one. You know, like Panos was like, yeah, Yeah. that's fine. (laughs) This is the most complicated hinge in America and you should ship it. So I think the laptop is in, it's where the politics really come to play most directly with this. But we'll see. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just like, there's so much Microsoft stuff going on. And it's Surface is 10 years. Like, we should say this. Surface is a huge success. It has accomplished yes. every single thing Microsoft ever wanted it to yep. accomplish. It really did reinvigorate Windows laptops. Panos has done mm-hmm. an amazing job, like, running this program in the face of all these politics. There are effectively no companies that have ever managed to be the the OS vendor and the premium hardware vendor and make everything work. Like Google has not done it with the Pixel. No, because Apple doesn't have OEMs. They're not a vendor of software in that way. Right. So like the Google hasn't accomplished it with the Pixel. Right. They're a successful OS vendor and Samsung is their primary. Can I interest you in BlackBerry and Qnix? Yeah, BlackBerry failed. (laughs) Palm uh, famously failed. We've... Gone through that. We have a whole documentary about that that you can watch. It's called Springboard. It's very good. Basically, no company has ever managed to pull this off, but Microsoft did it with the Surface. Yeah. It's it's kind of remarkable they pulled it off for the past decade. Like, uh, people doubted them very much, and they thought the OEMs would run. And it kind of turns out there's nowhere to run to. Like, it it has never been the year of Linux on the desktop, sadly. So they they were in a little bit of a stronger position. But I've talked to Panos. I've walked around CES with Panos Panay, and, like, he's been like, look, we invent hardware and we license it back out to the OEMs and like that's our hinge and that's our thing and that's our design and like you can see them pushing the Windows hardware innovation ecosystem ahead because they knew that Apple would just kill them and Dell and everybody else would focus on the high margin cheap computers for business and never sell the thousand dollar consumer laptop and so like we're just going to do it huge success very complicated politics that express themselves in things like the Qualcomm SQ3 and this like weird lack of arm, but or weird lack of AMD, but pretty rad. Like you should watch the video with Tom and Panos because it's great. Yeah. So, okay, let's do a lightning round. Well, the other Windows thing we should talk about before we switch is this Apple partnership to some extent, I guess, with Windows, where I think what is it? You're gonna get music and TV apps both on Windows and on the Xbox, which is like it's one of those things that both seems insane to me that that's a thing that's happening, and also like. Oh, and iCloud Photos and Windows. Oh, right, and iCloud Photos. Everybody's favorite Photos app yeah. that is a thing that I care about that definitely What's exists. the default? It's the default iPhone photo app. It's just there so that when I switch phones, it, it still works. I don't care about it on any other platform. Anyway. <laughs> but you get all your photos on your laptop. That's a big win. That is true. No, I'll give you that. Yeah. iCloud Photos is legit. Yeah, I think it was just, it's one of those things that it's, 
it's representative of the thing that Apple is desperately trying to do, which is like be a services business. And like speaking of, you know, the politics between companies, Apple and Microsoft are not like famous for being best friends. And so it says a lot about what Apple is trying to do, that it's willing to put music and TV and photos into all of these different Windows products. Like that is, Steve Jobs would never in a million years have done that. And even five years ago, I don't think Tim Cook would have well, done that. Well, he put iTunes on Windows to sell iPods. But that's like, that. that's actually probably a good example, right? Because you get to a point where it's like, okay, this is this is our move. This is how we reach a lot of people. And that's clearly where music and TV are next. Like a lot of people who have Windows want to watch Ted Lasso. Yeah. And that's a way to get a lot of people to do so. And so it makes sense. It was just slightly surprising to me to see Apple and Windows be like, we make apps together. So my my theory here is very cynical. So game consoles are underappreciated as streaming devices. Tons mm-hmm. and tons of people yep. run streaming apps on their game consoles all the time. And so if you're Apple, you got to get the Apple TV app on the game console just to compete. Yep. Yeah. That's life. So they're like, we want to go on this game console. And Microsoft was like, haha, we tightly control the economics of the Xbox. And there are no, <laughs> it's not an open app store. To get on this game console, you got to come through us. Interesting. And they were just like, Sasha and I just walked around campus and was like, what do you want? You get one chip with Apple. They want, a, <laughs> they want Apple TV app on the Xbox. Like, who's got something that we want? And the, the team that runs the photos tab in a, like Explorer <laughs> was like, can we just get the iCloud photos integration? Like Every other photo service supports this tab. Please. Can you just get them to give us the API hooks? And Sasha was like, yeah, we could probably get that out of them. So that, that was the trade. They were like, we want fast pairing AirPods. And Tim Cook was like, no. <laughs> yeah, that, not anything with that. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is a straight up just tit for tat. You want to be on the Xbox? What are you going to do for me? Yeah, that sounds right. And they landed at iCloud Photos right. on Windows. And that's just how Kudos it goes. to everybody. Listen, yeah. I'm, I'm happy for fast them. fast pairing AirPods. <laughs> I want an iMessage client for Windows. <laughs> Apple's like death first. Yeah. That's when Craig Frederiki hangs up. <laughs> He's like, here's a, here's a gotcha for you. I got photos. <laughs> Wait, I can't help myself. I, I have to ask, do you think that they tried to get the Xbox, I forget what it's, it's called, but the service that has to run on Safari on iOS? Oh, do they try to like a game streaming app on iOS? That's where I thought you were going. Yeah. Yeah, and they ended up at iCloud Photos. They're like, can we get the Apple TV app on the <laughs> yeah, Xbox? Yeah. And Microsoft was like, yeah, if you let us do cloud gaming on the iPhone. And Apple is like, death first. No, absolutely. <laughs> Here's our counteroffer, iCloud Photos, which you can already access in a web browser on any computer on planet Earth. There. <laughs> but now it's in the start menu. <laughs> yeah. That's all like, that matters. It's a high stakes negotiation. They had teams <laughs> in two separate conference rooms. And there's one person who had to walk back and forth. Spanos for sure. <laughs> it's just like someone is going to write the inside the deal that brought iCloud photos to Windows. It's like, you know, it's like a 600 page novel. Like barbarians at the gate. Yeah. Know? I like imagining it, right? It's, a, it's more like a, like a wheel you spin and it just landed on <laughs> iCloud photos. It's like, doot, 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 doot. Goes like right past Mac integration for Xbox. Goes right past yeah. all of the iMessage stuff, and it just lands on iCloud Photos. And the one right next to it is bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, iCloud Photos is like the five cents on the Price is Right wheel, and it's like, well, at least we get zero. <laughs> so actually, bad news. I, uh, the wheel spin didn't go so great. <laughs> 
right. One last thing we should mention before we get out of here. Uh, Netflix, a disclosure, we made a Netflix show. Vox Media makes Netflix shows. Comcast Investor in Vox Media. Everyone has. A, everyone here owns a television. Everyone here is a Netflix mm-hmm. subscriber. There are your disclosures for the day. All right. What are we but pawns in the great game of capitalism? <laughs> Netflix is having ads. It's going to cost $6.99 a month. The ads, by the way, run by Microsoft. Microsoft's shown up in everyone's announcements this week. Seriously. Do you have something to announce in tech? Just, Microsoft will be there and they will rebrand off. <laughs> teams is probably involved. It's called Netflix 365 now. Uh, all the Netflix ads are yeah. just for teams. Well, no, that's how you do group watch now is through teams. <laughs> like all the Amazon ads on football <laughs> are just for Amazon. Last week, the ads were for Eero. And I was like, you yeah. guys, like just let someone else buy some ads. <laughs> like if you're watching football, Thursday Night Football streaming on Amazon Prime, it seems likely you've got your Wi-Fi situation sorted out. So that's definitely the best case scenario for this Netflix thing, right? Is that it's, it's what is it, four, four to five minutes of ads per hour? Mm-hmm. If that four to five minutes is just trailers for other Netflix shows, like, I'm down. Yeah, Count Netflix me in. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah, $7 a month. Nielsen is going to start offering data about Netflix mm-hmm. audience for the ad business only, which is fascinating. But ad buyers want a standard source of data to know who their ads are hitting. So they're letting Nielsen into the ad side, but not the paid side. So Reed can still do fake numbers whenever he wants. It was the most watched show on Netflix. <laughs> sure, sure, Reed. Yeah, that means something to somebody. I believe you. And then they're going to do less ads than competitors. Here we when go. When do you think they start standardizing their the lengths of shows like network TV does? Because oh, right know. now they're all over the place. I don't think they're ever going to do that. Because it's so just like too much. you end up seeing a lot of ads for like an hour and five minute show. And you're like, okay, I guess I'm into my next set of ads. Yeah. Uh, well, that's I think that's why they're doing four to five. They're giving themselves a little buffer. You know, Netflix's yeah. whole thing is like, you're going to watch the next one. Right. So yep. like they're, I don't think they're worried about whether the shows are 20 minutes or 22 minutes or 35 minutes or whatever. They're just like, what yeah. we'd like from you is four uninterrupted hours. Well, and I'm assuming... And correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think Netflix has said anything about, like, compensating content makers differently because of ads, right? Because that, oh, heavens, that is a big, that would that's change a big argument instantly. right now in the unions. Oh, interesting. The unions are all getting upset about this because right now when they sell the rights to these shows, they end up basically being like, you own it forever. And then it's like, wait, I only get $5 for the hours of blood, sweat, and tears I put into this. Right. I used to be able to live on my residuals with other shows. So that's actually like, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of that in the next rounds of union negotiations across the industry because they get mad about it. And yeah. and if if that so comes gonna be fun. back, the gamesmanship on how long should my content be then becomes really interesting. Because even if Netflix doesn't standardize it, like you see YouTubers who have like vastly changed the stuff that they make in order to maximize the ad load in the videos that you see. And like- But the YouTubers did that because YouTube told them to. YouTube was like 10 minutes yeah. and you, YouTubers are like, fine, 10 minutes. But if Netflix says, you know, we're going to show you two ads over a 20 minute show or four ads over a 30 minute show, like I'll oh, tell you confidently you what's going to happen. But that only matters if the compensation changes. So yeah. I guess for now, it, it doesn't necessarily matter. I'm not an expert on TV deals, but those residuals are paid by licensing to other people who broadcast the shows. Netflix isn't doing that, right? right. They're just adding ads. Yep. Yeah. And they're lowering the price. So I, yeah. I think they're how those deals get done. I think those deals are going to start changing. Yeah. And and we're, we're already seeing that 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 dis, those discussions in those union channels and at networks of like, okay, we need to start changing how we're doing this because we're getting screwed because there's infinite content and not infinite dollars and the dollars there are going straight to the streamers and bypassing all the creatives. Yeah. 
Well, it's funny because none of the streamers are making enough money. It's like it yep. at no point did we actually make this better. But the streaming wars are here. It's just a pyramid scheme. Disney's at the top and everybody else is just like, I guess we're also here making stuff. <laughs> we're not Disney. Uh, Subscribe. It's coming. It's launching in November. The other plan, there was a big Bloomberg piece, Lucas Shaw, a big Bloomberg piece on the future of Netflix today. Uh, so the ads are one part of the plan. The other one, cracking down on password sharing. And they were like, <gasps> not enough people are paying for Netflix. And these are the two things they're doing. Like the CFO of Netflix said to Lucas, here's the two things. It's ads and it's password sharing. Yeah. Haven't they said there's like 100 million users they think are getting Netflix through shared passwords? Yeah. And like, so they're trying to reframe number. it. They know it's hard. They've like launched a bunch of trials in South America and they're trying to reframe it as not cracking down on it. But wouldn't you like to pay for your ex-girlfriend? <laughs> like, what if you paid a little bit more money? Huh? That'd be nice. We're, we'll just see how this goes. Yeah. Sorry, all my old roommates. I'm definitely going to start VPNing to wherever your house is. <laughs> just so it looks like I'm around. That's the solution. The password sharing is just going to get more complicated. People are just going to VPN into one apartment. And start. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. I'm excited for everybody to know what a VPN is. That's going to be great. I feel like, any, like the kids all know what VPNs are because VPN companies advertise so heavily on like YouTube and TikTok. That's fair. And podcasts. That's fair. All right, we've gone over. It's been amazing to be in the studio with my friend David Pierce. It's an amazing... To just send digital weed to you, Alex. I am over this so platform. high right now. It's great. <laughs> Alex is firing up the Plex server <laughs> as we speak. To <laughs> tons and tons of news. All the coverage of Microsoft, of Google, of uh, Meta. It's on the site. Check it out. Also, tons of other stuff. Tons of little updates to the site experience. I know everybody wants to hear about those. we got another big set coming maybe in two weeks from now. We're going to redo the top of the site, the hero area. Ooh. we got Ooh. some big plans there. We also... We should just say, if you do read all the Microsoft stuff, send Tom Warren nice tweets about how much you love him because he did all of this while having COVID Yeah, uh, and did a great yeah. job. So tell Tom you love him. You can't tell in the video unless you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, it's good. It's really good. But no, yeah, Tom came to America, had to go back to the UK, all while dealing with this, and put out just absolutely tremendous coverage. Yep. Uh, so yeah, tweeted Tom, tell me to do a good job. Don't mention the COVID thing. Just tell him to do a good job. Don't let him know we had to stop. <laughs> Be cool, everybody. <laughs> Be cool. Be cool, man. Be cool. All right, that's it. That's a version of You can tweet at us. I'm at Reckless. David's at Pierce. Alex is Alex H. Kranz. We'll be back on Wednesday. We got the hotline coming this week. Yeah. 866 Verge 11. I will tell you this, I already answered a hotline question this week. Huge. <gasps> it's pretty good. Game changer. It's it's so deeply exactly the thing that you would expect someone asking in the hotline. I don't know. I'm not giving away. It just it, perfectly in the week. I answer the question and Andrew goes, I knew you'd know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay, that's it. That's for chest. Rock and And that's a wrap for VergeCast this week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, subscribe in the podcast app of your choice or tell a friend. You can send us feedback at VergeCast at TheVerge.com. This show is produced by me, Liam James, and our senior audio director, Andrew Marino. This episode was edited and mixed by Amanda Rose Smith. Our editorial director is Brooke Minters, and our executive producer is Eleanor Donovan. The VergeCast is a production of The Verge and Box Media Podcast Network. And that's it. We'll see you next week.